0: But Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that we have to serve you, because you are a good God, and we just thank you, Lord, for all that you have for us, and we just thank you for the service today, Father, I ask you to bless the children's service, that they're back there, bless the workers back there, and I thank you that you give me utterance from the Holy One today, and that the folks here have ears to hear the message that is brought forth today and that will pierce the hearts of the hearers in this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen, amen. So for those of you, I know some of you guys, but for those of you who don't know me, so Corey and myself, we went to Bible school together, oh, back in 2000, and uh, it's kind of funny because, uh, well, my name is Bryant Hempo first, let me just get, get that out of the way, but uh, for those of you who don't know, I grew up here in Spokane. And uh, went to Eastern Washington University. Actually, at the same time, Corey went to Eastern Washington, but we didn't know each other then. We had to go 1,800 miles to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then we met each other down there and, at uh, Bible School, Raymond Bible Training Center. So um, they're, out, they're out of town this week, so he asked me to come in and fill in. So I said, all right, we'll go ahead and do it. But for some of you guys, we, uh, we actually helped Westside Church, me and my wife, Stacy. Stacy, wave, wave at the folks. Show everyone how smart I am, right? (laughs) Uh, But uh, we helped uh, launch Westside a couple years ago, and we just come back and visit every once in a while. He'll have me come back and visit every once in a while. So um, hopefully you guys enjoy the word today. And uh, I kind of like, you know, when you guys get involved, give me some amens. Man, that's good preaching. Go ahead. Preach it, brother. Preach it, right? (laughs) This is kind of new to me here, so I'm just going to. I'm just going to preach from down here, if you don't mind. All right? Good? You guys ready? Yeah. All right, so let's go real quickly. So let's go Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. I'll give you a second to get there while I get my iPad up and running here. And when you get there, give me an amen. Amen. Or say, I'm there. If you have your Bibles or your... Electronic Bible, and you scroll over there, and you get there, say "Amen," or I'm there. <clears throat> you guys uh had enough of the snow yet, or what? <laughs> I I kind of like it until I fall down or something like that. Then I then I've had enough. All right, we're going to take a look at this scripture here real quick. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. It's actually one of my favorite scriptures I'll go to a lot and and reference a lot. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, here's the thing with this scripture. It gives me a couple different things that I take a look at. Now, in all honesty, we, we all want to be on the tail end of this scripture, right? A dream fulfilled is a tree of life. A dream fulfilled brings life. Right? Have you ever accomplished a goal in your life before? Right? And the, this excitement, the energy you get when that dream or that goal is fulfilled. It was funny because I was at my mom's not long ago and she has a lot of my old stuff there. And I actually had a, a portfolio I would carry around with me. And in there, I had my goals from high school over 20 years ago. And just, is you know, because I played football in high school and ended up going and playing college football as well, too. And I just looked at some of those goals that i written down on this list, and every last one of them came to pass. But I could remember, I could remember, so I wanted to make all league in football, which I want to make first team all GSL, which was kind of amazing because my team that year didn't win a game. (laughs) And hey, well, I got something, right? But I made all league. I wanted to make the East West All-State football game which I was able to win or, you know, got nominated and got accepted to play in that. And then I wanted to receive a college scholarship, which those three things for my high school goals came to pass. But it was just like, yes, these dreams that I had came to pass in my life. And just like the scripture says, just like it did say up there, right? <laughs> it brings forth a tree of life. It, it springs forth life in you. Right? All of us want to live on the tail end of that scripture, but the reality is this, guys. Most of us live on the front end of that scripture. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because every last one of us has a dream, whether it be a God-given dream or a personal dream on the inside of you that we want to accomplish. But a lot of times, what happens is distraction and discouragement comes and defers our dream and we live there. We spend our time there in hope deferred. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Not talking about how to accomplish your dream, but I'm going to talk about what to do when hope is deferred, okay? So follow me there. I recently read this, that America is one of the most depressed nations in the world, Okay? Kind of crazy when you think about it. If you break down the cause of depression, it's simply put as a person who has lost hope. There's nothing driving the heart. There's nothing moving you forward. It's a person who's lost hope. You know, I could think back, and you could think back as well too when you were little. Most everyone could remember a dream. You know, I mean, as kids, I mean, we were crazy dreamers, right? Everyone could remember a dream that they had. I, I know for me, I don't know if there's any uh, kids in here that grew up in the best decade ever, the 80s, which that was my decade, right? There was a show on TV called Chips. You remember that, right? So it was highway patrolman, police motorcycle, you know, and so uh, there was two of them, and I have a brother that's a year older than me, so me and him were Chips, right? <laughs> they had they had two characters, Ponch and John. He was always John, and I was always Ponch, Okay. So, Ponch was the cool one, I, you know, I gotta be Ponch, but if you remember, Ponch was played by a character, or he was played by uh, Eric Estrada, right, for us 80s kids, best decade in the world, right? Eric Estrada was kind of like, he was the guy back in the 80s, right? So, I always wanted to be Ponch, and I, I'll never forget, that's probably five, six years old, I don't know, I got a crazy memory, so, matter of fact, my wife's just like, oh, I don't know how you remember stuff like that, but... I, I could actually tell you my school schedule from kindergarten all the way through high school by the periods and all that stuff that you know, and you know teachers and all that. It's just weird, but anyways, so I can remember this. Um, so I wanted to be Ponch, Eric Estrada, and I'm five six years old. And we had a we had a grade school carnival where I went to Cooper Elementary in Spokane, right? So uh, we had this grade school carnival, and you know you you go and ticket and play a game and you win a prize or whatever. Well, I see this picture of Eric Estrada poster right i do not know how this grade school had this picture or this poster there i mean this was the 80s right so you know we didn't care about seat belts we rode in the back of trucks drink water from the hose and all that stuff right it just didn't matter but this poster of Eric Estrada in the 80s uh he was in tight jeans and his shirt was off right and he's like posing you know and I'm like, oh, that's Ponch. I gotta have that I gotta have that poster, you know. So I won that poster, you know, and I take it home and the next day I remember I was at a friend's house. His sister was a little older. She was like in sixth grade, and she was hanging her poster that she won of Eric Estrada on her wall because he was kind of a sex symbol in the eighties, you know. I didn't know that, I just thought it was Ponch. So, you know, I said, When I go home, I'm hanging my poster on the wall, you know. So I get in there, and I hang my poster on the wall of Eric Estrada in tight jeans with his shirt off, you know, pointing at me. My dad, hopefully he'll be here, but if you see my dad, he's about 6'6", six, six, you know, makes me look small. And uh, I remember, I get this poster on the wall, yes, that's punch, you know, and my dad comes in and sees this poster, and with his big old bear claws, he rips that thing down and throws it in the garbage, he said, that's garbage, you know. My dream was crushed, you know. My dream was literally thrown in the trash. I thought my dad didn't want me to be Paunch, you know. I mean, I was absolutely just crushed. My dream of being police officer, chips or whatever, of course, you know, was just destroyed. But I think, you know, as a kid, a week later, I think I wanted to be night Rider or something like that, you know, whatever. But on the real, though, guys, here, here's the deal. This is what I want to get you. I know that's funny and stuff like that, but in that situation, my dream was crushed as a kid. I changed it up immediately because I wanted to be something else. But as adults, what do we do when our dream is crushed? Where do we go? How do we position ourselves? Now, when when hope is lost, your dream from God takes a detour or is taking too long. Where do we go from that? I I think it's easy to say that uh, 2018 for... My wife and I—it's probably been the most challenging year of our lives. Period. We've been attacked. We've had more challenges than I think I've had probably in all of my life um, in battles in one year. And to top it off, in December, I fractured both of my shoulders and dislocated and fractured both of my shoulders in my sleep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of crazy, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, 2018. Yeah, get out of here, right? It's kind of one of those things. Um, It's a very humbling experience when your wife looks at your two-year-old daughter and says, hey, let's get dressed, and then looks at her 40-year-old husband and says the same thing, right? (laughs) I mean, it was very, very tough. Uh, it It was very frustrating because I felt like this was just another setback. This was something that was going to derail me. This was something that is keeping me and keeping my wife and our family from achieving what we have on the inside. And and to be honest with you, I was angry. And I'm just going to be real because it's okay to be honest with God. I was frustrated and I was angry with God. I wanted to shake my fist at God. But I couldn't because I had broken shoulders. So, (laughs) you know. But if I didn't, I probably would have, and I'm just being honest, and if you could sit there and say, well, I would never be angry or honest with God, i got just grow up, because we all think that sometimes, we all, you know, we have that, and it's okay, because then that opens real honest dialogue with our Heavenly Father right? You know, so we could have those honest conversations with them. But, you know, I felt like David in Psalms 13, you know, oh Lord, how long are you going to forget me? (laughs) You know, how long will my enemy have the upper hand? I mean, it just felt like that because there was just, there was just so much attack after attack after attack. And in the midst of all this, I began to lose hope. You know, I began to lose hope for what God has in store for me for what God has planned for us. So what did I do? I had to go back to what I knew and experienced in the past, and and, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So the thing is, is this, guys. In life, You know, we got a start and a finish. In our Christian life, we have a start and a finish. I know my finish, what it is. I've read the Bible. I know what it says in the back of the book. I know my finish is a victorious one. It is. I'm going to heaven because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I know the end of it is a victorious finish right? But the thing is, is this, guys, in between the start and the finish, we have the in-between moments. We have those moments in our life in the middle of God's plan where it feels like all hell is breaking loose, right? That nothing seems to go right. You got battle after battle after battle, And it just seems like you can't go forward because you're getting pushed back so often. And that's kind of where I was at that that point. Even Jesus had those in-between moments in his life. In the middle of God's will, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he took the cross, you know, it talks about in the garden how he sweated great drops of blood. Even Luke describes his experience in the Garden of Eden as Jesus was in agony. He said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Because he knew what was going to take place. He knew the plan and the purpose of God. But he had an in-between moment where he did not, you know, it felt like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. We talked about he sweated great drops of blood. Actually, that is a diagnosis called, I think it's like hematidrosis, where the, the sweat glands rupture and blood starts to go into the sweat where you actually sweat blood. There's conditions of it when you're under extreme duress and extreme stress in your life that that happened Jesus had an in between moment smack dab in the middle of God's will Jesus had an in between moment to where it was tough for him to go forward but he said nevertheless not my will father but your will be done I'm willing to push forward I'm willing to keep going on Jesus even said in John 16:33 in life here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows but take heart because I've overcome the world. So you're going to go through things in your life where it's going to make you feel like giving up. You're going to feel like you've lost hope, but you got to remember to keep moving forward, to keep pushing forward. The in-between will come, and here's the thing, guys, I put this down. The in-between will either distract you or will propel you. Okay? The in-between will either distract you or propel you. You can choose a couple things. You could either become bitter or you could become better. OK, And that's my first point is this: Choose better, not bitter. Dark times can make you bitter or they can make you better. Remember this, and, and this is something that I live by and I go by, and I truly believe this, is that God does His most stunning work where things seem hopeless, where things seem hopeless in your life. That's where God will do his most stunning work. You will see him respond and he'll react in your situation like he's never you've never seen him before. And I want you to think about this. Think about Joseph in the Bible, okay? He had a dream that he was going to be ruler over much. He went and did what most of us do when we have something on the inside that's burning and had a desire. He went and blabbed his mouth, right? Went and told his brothers about it. His brothers resented him for it, and, and they betrayed him because they're like, hey, you're going to rule over us? I don't think so. So they plotted, we all know the story, they plotted to kill him, and oh, that's a little too much, so let's just throw him in a pit and sell him to slavery, right, you know? Uh, killing him's a little much, so, you know, let's just let's just sell him to, into slavery, right? So he got sold to, sold to a slave eventually to Potiphar. In Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife, you know, accused him of rape and got him thrown into prison. And so... Joseph spent a total of about 13 years in a pit in Potiphar's house and then ultimately in prison, right? <clears throat> the thing about it is this, is he could have easily become bitter in his situation. He very easily could have become bitter. But his faith in God never wavered. He doesn't complain about it. He just keeps moving forward. Ultimately, Pharaoh makes him the second command over Egypt, right? He easily could have sought revenge on his brothers. He could have easily had them killed, had them thrown into prison, thrown in the pit, because he's second in charge. I mean, he could do whatever he wants to do at this point. But he chose to be better in that situation. Put up Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 there. I want you to take a look what, what Joseph uh, responds, how he responds to his brothers. He says this to his brothers, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He, God, brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. That's not bitter. That's better. Right? He chose to be better in that situation. you got to understand this, and I said this before. Darkness is always meant to be a distraction for the purpose that God has planned for your life. It could either hold you down or it could either push you forward. It's always meant to be a distraction. The important thing to remember is this, guys. When things go wrong, don't go with them. Seriously, when things go wrong, choose not to go with them. Because things will go wrong. Well, I'm a Christian, and if I'm in God's will, uh uh-uh. In this world, you're going to have trials. In this world, you're going to have sorrows. Jesus said, you'll be persecuted because they persecuted me. People will hate you because they hated me, right? You are going to have situations that come up. It's how you respond to those situations. When things go wrong, don't go with them. More importantly, in these times, God can use this as an opportunity for growth in your life, an opportunity for maturity to take place in your life before your dream can come to pass. You cannot convince me that God did not do a work in Joseph's heart in those 13 plus years. You can't convince me of that. As a 17-year-old boy, he has a dream that he's going to be ruler over much. At 17 years old, imagine if you had a dream saying you're going to be the president of the United States. Do you think at that moment in your life, you would be capable of handling the office of the president of the United States? No. But through the course of time and trials and situations that happen in our life, it shapes us. It molds us. It makes us be the individual and grow up to become that individual that God wants us to be. Right. So in this situation, Joseph had some growth that took place. In those 13 plus years, from the age of 17 to 30, and then I think at 39, 40, you know, he he had the conversation with his brothers again. He grew up. He had some growth that took place in his life. Ultimately, for what God had prepared and planned for him, the dream that God put on the inside of him, to not complain, to not retaliate, and to ultimately bless those individuals who did evil to him, there had to be some growth in his life. Because I don't know about you if that happened to me, I'm not. I probably wouldn't respond the way he responded. You know, I probably wouldn't have done that. You know, I've been done wrong in my life sometimes, and you know, be honest. The first thing that takes place in my thought life is retaliation sometimes. You know, but he didn't. He didn't do that. He ended up blessing his brothers in that situation. God did a work in him that prepared him for what was next. And I, I wrote this down. Are there things that are holding you back from going to that next level? Maybe next, uh, maybe things God needs you to grow in before he can promote you. I remember listening to Joyce Meyer, which, you know, she's a well-known evangelist. I mean, you see her conferences. She does women's conferences and stuff. And man, she just packs the house, you know. But um, she was at a point in her life where she was frustrated with where she was at. She asked, God, why is this taking so long? You know, I have this dream of helping many people. And God responded to her and said, Joyce, you got to remember something. For as many people as you want to help, you can also hurt. So I got some things that you need to do in your life. I got some things that I need to shape in your life before you can get to that position where I've called you to be. Because for as many people as you can help, you can also hurt as well. And so you got to understand, maybe your dream is delayed because there's some things that God needs to work out on the inside of you. I could remember when I come back from... uh, Bible school, and you know, 22, 23 years old, and I come back up here, and I thought immediately, I'm going to ministry. You know, I mean, that was my dream. That was what God put on the inside of me, and you know, I'm going to that next level. And so I come up, come up here to Spokane. You know, I had it all planned out. I'm going to get married, going to go into ministry, going to have some kids, and we're going to change the world. We're going to impact the world. You know, and I'm just going to show up one day, and there's going to be just tons of people. Wanting to hear me minister, right? Because that's what God has put on the inside of me. And that didn't happen. And so I began to get frustrated with the position and where I was at in life. And so I remember asking God, you know, what, what's going on here? And, and I remember, I mean, there were some things that he said, hey, you need to get taken care of. You know, you, you need to get corrected in your life. But one of the main things that he told me, he said, this, I can't, I can't get you the position that I want you to, to to be in until you take care of your finances. I mean, I was in debt up to my ears, you know, credit card debt, student loans, and all that stuff, and one of the things that he did, he said, I need you to get your debt taken care of, because debt was really causing a big problem in my my family, and, you know, I was expecting someone just to pay it off for me, because, well, that's the easy way out, right? Well, Mom, you need to just pay this off for me, right? I think I was in excess of $50,000 in debt at 22 years old. That makes you just shout hallelujah, right? <laughs> you know, I was like, Woo, yeah, fifty thousand dollars in debt. So one of the things God told me he says, Listen, you need to get your finances in order, right? I was in debt, horrible with money. Uh, you know, my initial response to God was, Well, give me a better job, and I'll get, you know. What was funny is I did get a better job, and what happened? I got more debt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because my heart wasn't right. You know, I didn't know how to manage money. I wasn't, I wasn't being responsible with money. And, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking, God's saying, hey, you're faithful over the little things, right? You know, so I just got more debt. And, uh, but the ultimate thing is I didn't like initially what God was saying that I had to do in order to get where I needed to be. But ultimately I had to trust what God said to do. So my first point is this, be better, not bitter. The second point is this, is you got to be willing to trust the process. Okay? Trust the process. You may not be where you want to be now, but you got to trust the process. Trust what God's telling you to do. you got to forgive me. It's I know it's winter, but it's hot in here. So um, in in the middle of it, it's very easy to get anxious in tough situations. Instead of waiting for God's breakthrough, you try and create your own breakthrough. It becomes your plan instead of his plan. So in my situation, I tried to create my own breakthrough because I was unsettled with where I was, so I essentially tried to be God, and I tried to create my own breakthrough. I tried to create my own ministry opportunities because I wanted to do ministry. I tried to create, uh, you know, my own relationships because I I wasn't willing to wait for God to give me someone, so I started dating people and dating the wrong individuals. How many have been there before, right? (laughs) Yeah, so... I, you know, ignored God in some situations and just started dating individuals that I shouldn't have been dating. So it became my plan instead of his plan. And this is where people stumble because they're seeking relief from a tough situation instead of seeking God and trusting his process. Here's the thing, guys. If you understood everything completely, you wouldn't need faith, right? If we understood God's plan completely, 100%, no questions, you wouldn't need faith. But the thing is, is when we trust the process, that's what we need. We need the substance of things hoped for, right? That's what faith is. That's where we need to be at. Don't stop trusting God just because his timing isn't your timing or his process doesn't line up with yours. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Right? There's those times where you got to be still. You got to just chill out for a minute. You gotta let God be God. Turn with turn with me to John chapter twenty one verse one. Peyton, can you go grab me a napkin? I'm sorry, it's a little hot up here. I'm sweating, you know. John chapter twenty one verse one. You guys know the story. <coughs> I'm going to read it here, and we're going to break this down here real quick. So verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll come too. They all said... So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Verse 5. So he called out, "Fellows, have you caught any fish?" "No," they replied. Verse 6. Then he said, "Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some." So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, "It's the Lord." When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. I, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I think, of, uh, I think of Forrest Gump when he sees Lieutenant Dan right off the top. You know? I don't know why, you know. Lieutenant Dan, right? You know, he jumps in the water. I, Peter was doing that with Jesus, right? He just jumped in the water. And he, Anyways, a little side note. I won't charge you for that. But uh, verse 8, the other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for there were only about 100 yards from the shore. Verse 9, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Verse 10, bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Verse 12, now, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and the fish verse 14, I want you to get this. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. Now, we're going to break this down a little bit, so let's go back to verse 1. I want to just kind of just slowly go over this real fast. Slowly, real fast, I said. (laughs) John 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathanael, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples. Simon Peter said, "I'm going fishing. We'll come too." They all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So here's the deal: half a dozen disciples are going fishing. For the majority of them, before Jesus called them, this is what their their profession was, right? They were fishermen. So they said, "Hey, we're going out to do what we know to do. Okay, we're going to go fish." At verse four, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. So he called out, fellas, have you caught any fish yet? No, they replied. Here's the deal. This was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. And he's asking them, have you caught any fish? Don't you think Jesus knows if they caught any fish? Third time. He's been, appeared to him after he resurrected, right? So he's glorified. He's asking them, have you caught any fish yet? So he knows. Why in the world is he asking him? I mean, is I mean, is his intent to mock him or you know, I mean, understand this guys, this is what they did for a living. Whether they were out there fishing just for food or they're out there fishing commercially, this is what they did. Anytime a professional is out doing what he does best and missing the mark, it's gotta sting a little bit. It's like if I heard Michael Jordan's playing a pickup game down at the YMCA and I'm gonna go down there and watch him play a pickup game. <laughs> And I see that uh, Jordan's playing in this pickup game and he hasn't scored any points. And I yell from the sidelines, hey, MJ, have you scored any points yet? (laughs) Right, it's going to frustrate him a little bit, okay? Because that's what he does best. That's what he knows to do. That's what these guys did best, right? They were fishermen. And Jesus is yelling at them, have you caught any fish yet? They didn't know know it was Jesus yet at the time. So they're probably thinking, shut up, (laughs) you know? Like, no, we haven't caught any fish yet, but shut your mouth, you know? This is what we're here to do. Verse 6, it says this. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did and couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. The reason why Jesus asked if they caught any fish yet is because what they were doing, they were doing it wrong. Okay? It's not that the process was wrong. It's Jesus is making a point to him is this. Listen to what I'm telling you to do. You're not getting any success on this side of the boat. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you're going to get your blessing. You're going to get what you intended to go out to get. So he's saying throw out your net on the other side of the boat. Listen, you may be grinding towards your dream, applying principles, rules of success that you heard some motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, talk about whomever, right? You may be applying that. And not getting success, but in all reality, God is telling you you need to tweak some things. That's what He was telling the disciples. Don't throw out your net on this side of the boat. Throw it out on the other side of the boat. I need you to tweak some things. Yet minor, you know, I'm not. I'm fishing on this side, but He's saying, "Tell me, fish on this side." Yeah, it's minor, but He's just He's proving a point here. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you to do. Quit fishing from the wrong side of the boat change some things up, tweak some things, and start fishing from the wrong side of the boat. Listen, guys, the difference between a full net and an empty one is simply listening to what he is telling you to do. Now, here's the thing. If I'm fishing in this boat and Jesus starts to tell me, oh, just throw your net on that. Are you kidding me? Just me throwing my net out on the other side of the boat? You mean to tell me that's going to have me catch fish? We've been out here all night. Come on, that's not going to work. But all of a sudden, when they're obedient to what he's telling them to do, see, God can do more with just simple obedience in one day than you could do in your own ability and own power for a lifetime, right? So he says, listen, I need you to fish on the other side of the boat. Now, back to my story about me being in debt and all that stuff, okay? Jesus telling me, you need to get out of debt. So I heard about this guy, Dave Ramsey, I think you guys or experiencing with financial peace, right? So I heard about this guy in church, Dave Ramsey, you know, and financial peace, you know, university and all that stuff, get out of debt. And I said, okay, that sounds like a cool idea, but I didn't want to do it. It sounded good, but it was too much work. So <laughs> a year later or so while I was working, I worked for Verizon. I was working as a sales rep for Verizon. I'm selling this guy a cell phone, and I'm trying to sell him some accessories and all that stuff with it. And he says, you know, man, I know you're a salesman, but... I'm sorry, I can't. I said, come on, man. It's just, you know, case, car, charger, headset. It's only 50 bucks. Come on. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, why? I'm on a budget. I'm thinking, you baby, come on, <laughs> you know. On a budget, come on. You know, I mean, we get graded. We're salesman. We get graded off. that stuff. he says, no, listen, I'm on a budget. He said, you know, I, I, I've paid off. It was like 10000 $15,000 in debt within nine months. So all of a sudden, he's getting my interest here. I said, how'd you do that? Well, there's this guy, Dave Ramsey. I said, I've heard about him. Too much work, okay? So he said, listen to me. Go get the book. Financial Peace University, Total Money Maker. Go get the book. I said, all right, I'll go check it out. I I just worked right down from Barnes & Noble. I said, I'll go check it out. I didn't go get it. (laughs) About three months later, this guy comes in to pay his bill, and he's just walking to the bill payment kiosk, and he sees me and he just yells across the store, hey, have you bought that book yet? And I said, no, but I'll go get it tonight because I'm thinking, all right, you know, my debt's piling up still. It's still causing problems in my life, you know. So I said, no, I'll go get it tonight. I didn't go get it. It's probably about six months later, Okay. I'm getting, you know, by Gonzaga there. There's the on-ramp to I-90 East, I-90 West. So I'm getting ready to get on I-90 East and you know on the stoplight by Gonzaga. And I just hear this, this car just honking. And I look over to the right and I see this car just honking. This guy's rolling down his window, this old beat-up car. And I see some waving, someone's waving at me. I'm like, what in the world's going on? So I roll down my window and I look out. Hey, have you got that book yet? <laughs> and I said, No, but for real, I'm going to get that tonight. (laughs) I'm going to get that book tonight. So I went and got the book. I started reading the principles in this book, started listening to a podcast, and started applying the process, okay? I started fishing from the other side of the boat, right? Because beforehand, I was fishing just like the disciples on the left side of the boat, but God's saying, Brian, I need you to fish from the other side of the boat. I need you to get your debt in line. Your dream is deferred, but this is what I need you to do. So I started fishing from the other side of the boat. In all reality, this guy was not just asking me, have I bought the book yet? It was really God saying, hey, Bryant, have you caught any fish yet? In all reality, that's what he was doing. And and to me, it just kind of took it. So what do you think started happening once I started applying what God had asked me to do? Ministry doors started opening up. All right, I took a youth pastor position in a church, right? Uh, I met Stacy. Stacy and I started dating. And, and about six months after I paid off my debt, we ended up getting married. God blessed me with kids. I got three kids, right? The, the goals and the dreams that I had on the inside of me started happening. Once I started applying the things that God was telling me to do, right? This guy wasn't saying... Brian, have you bought that book? No, he's saying, have you caught any fish yet? I don't know who this guy is. I've not seen him since. I have not seen this guy since. But if I were to see him, I'd say, you changed my life. You changed my life just by that obedience. I was able to pay off $50,000 in debt by applying the principles that God was telling me to do. Before I thought, how in the world am I going to get out of this? I could remember having screaming matches with my parents or with my mom more, more so than anyone because I wanted her to pay it off. Right? It caused problems in my life. It caused stress, anxiety, and all that stuff in my life, right? Because I wanted someone to do this for me. But God was saying, no, Brian, I need you to learn how to handle money better. You got to change what's on the inside. And so when I started changing that, what was on the inside and started showing God that he could trust me with some things boom promotions started coming at work ministry doors started opening up it, the 50,000 plus dollars in debt didn't seem like such a big mountain to climb anymore because all of a sudden God started multiplying things in my life because I started fishing on the other side of the boat i quit doing things my way and my ability and my power when he's telling me throw your net out on the other side And when I threw my net out on the other side, it changed my life. Trust the process because the process will prepare you for the promise. Okay, and my last point, last point. Don't forget the promise of the promiser, okay? Here's the deal. Years later after this, I find myself in a similar position. You know, 2018, not very good. Broken shoulders, all that stuff, right? I find myself in a similar position. But what I got to go back to is i got to go back to the promise. We're going to throw some Scripture up here real quick. Jeremiah 29, 11. For the sake of time, just look at it on the board. Write these down. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Isaiah 41, 10. Don't be afraid, for God says, I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. These are the promises of our Heavenly Father. Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalms 23.4, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I will not be afraid for you are close behind me. Right? For your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Listen, guys, in your situations, and your dark times, God is not going anywhere. He hasn't forgot you. Wherever there is pain, wherever there is suffering, wherever there is desperation, Jesus is there too. All right? There's no better place for the brilliance of Christ to shine in your life than in in the midst of a rough situation. There's no better place. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Real fast. don't turn there. Don't turn there. I'm just going to reference this. You know the story, right? Where the disciples and Jesus are in a boat. And the storm comes up and Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the boat and the disciples come, Jesus, we're going to die. Don't you care about us, right? But Mark chapter four, verse 35, Jesus said to the disciples, hey, guys, let's go to the other side, right? He said, let's go to the other side. The goal was to go to the other side, right? He never said, hey, you guys go to the other side. I'll meet you there. He said, let's go to the other side. So when the storm came up and they came to Jesus, in the middle of the storm, where was Jesus? He was with them. He didn't abandon ship. He didn't take off running. In the middle of your storm, where's Jesus at? He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. I can remember, I, I worked at Foot Locker. Real, real quick story, I worked at Foot Locker and I had a couple of different managers at other stores and, and uh, they said, hey, Mark bought a boat and we're going to go out boating on the river and you want to come with us? "Uh, uh-uh. I'm not going out on no boat. I don't know. I mean, I could swim, but black folks in water sometimes, you know, we don't, you know. But anyway, so he said, let's go out on the boat. You know, we're going to go boating. So my manager, Chris, and another manager, Mark, they said, we're going to go on the boat. So I said, I ain't going. You guys can go have fun, all that good stuff. So a couple days later, I come into work, and I see Chris, and (laughs) he's got scratches all over his face, and he's got a wicked sunburn, and he's limping. And I said, man, what, what happened to you? They said, well, we went out on the boat, and the wind's whipped up. And the boat tipped over, and we're in the water, no life jackets on, and we're out there trying to survive, essentially, and here it's Mark's boat, and Mark and Chris are out there in the boat, and it's Mark's boat, and I'm trying to hold on to this boat because I don't want, you know, to lose Mark's boat, and so I'm hanging on, and I went to holler something at Mark, and I looked over, and here Mark's swimming to the shore, and he he yells back, you're on your own, Chris! (laughs) You know It takes off, you know, and I sit there and look at the situation, right? Anytime you're in a rough situation, Jesus, when you're looking for him, he's never going to look back and say, you're on your own, Brian. He's not going to say that. He's going to stay right there in the boat with you, right? He's going to make sure that you're safe. He's going to see you through, right? Philippians 1 and 6, he who has begun a good work in you will finish that work, He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you there to die, right? He's not going to leave you there. So he's going to be right there in the middle of that storm with you. He's never going to say that you're on your own. God doesn't want you to put your confidence in life and nothing going wrong. He wants you to put your confidence in the fact that he will never leave you when things are going wrong, right? Right? So we could bank on that. He's going to complete that good work for you. I got news for you guys. If you're struggling in life, if you're struggling with things, God's not finished. He's not finished with you. He's going to fulfill that plan and that purpose that he's called you to. He's going to see it through, even when tough times are coming. <clears throat> Psalms 103 verse 2 says this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He's done for me or He does for me. Right? Like I said, 2018 has been a rough year. I, I would say probably about three, four months ago, I was really just, you know, having a pity party. You know, I was frustrated, arguing with God and all that stuff. The unfortunate thing was we're in church right in the middle of worship. And I'm on the inside having a pity party, you know, complaining where our situation's at, what's going wrong and all that stuff, right? Here I should be praising God, but I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm complaining on the inside and frustrated about 2008, frustrated about being stagnant and and my goals and all that stuff in life, right? I'm holding my daughter. Hold on, baby, I'm almost done. (laughs) I'm holding my daughter and my My arm, this is before my shoulder incident, but I'm holding her in my right arm and Stacy's on my left. And frankly, I'm just being grumpy. Sorry for the last couple months, Stacy. (laughs) I'm just being grumpy um, and just complaining to God, you know, what's going on? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing the ministry? Blah, 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 right? Not worshiping or anything like that. And while sitting there, the Holy Spirit, God just spoke to me. He said, I want you to look to your left. What do you see? I said, Well, my wife, she's praising you. He said, do you remember there was a time in your life where you never thought you'd get married? (laughs) And I said, yeah, you know, yeah, I do. And he said, then I want you to look to your right. What do you see? And I'm holding my daughter. I said, it's my daughter. She's two years old, lifting her hands in worship. He said, do you remember when you thought you would never have kids? And I got three kids now. Right, and I'm looking at my daughter. And then he said something to me that I'll never, ever forget. Do you really think that I've forgotten about you? Do you really think that I'm just going to leave you in this situation? I'm going to see you through. And one thing I want you guys to understand here is this. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. I remember there was a movie, just real fast. Um, Count of Monte Cristo, I think it was, where you know the individual in the movie, I'm not going to go through, but there's one point he was talking to this priest, and this priest was about to die, and, and the priest was telling him, just trust in God. And the individual says, I don't believe in God. And the priest responds back, I understand that, but he believes in you. And I want you to get that. God believes in you. He believes in you, he's empowered you, he's equipped you to fulfill the plan and the purpose that he has called you in your life. When times times get tough, and they will, times will get tough, you gotta remember, be better, not bitter. The enemy's main goal is to discourage you, to distract you, to defer hope in your life. So you gotta be willing to be better, not bitter. And remember, you gotta be willing to trust the process, Okay. God wants to fulfill that desire that's on the inside and allow it to bring forth life to many, right? you got to understand something. When you got a God-given dream in your life, the beneficiary of that dream, the main beneficiary of that dream is not you. It's other people. Because remember what Joseph said? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good so I could help save the lives of many people. The main beneficiary of God-giving dream is other people. So trust the process because God wants to fulfill that desire that's on the inside and allow it to bring forth life to many people. And then the, the third thing is this. Remember the promise of and the promiser. When I don't understand everything that is going on, I will always believe with every fiber of my being that my God is good. And I will continue to praise him before I see him act. He's done it before. He will do it again he's with you in the hard times, like he's with you during the good times, right? He's with you in the valley, just like he's with you on the mountaintop. That's who our heavenly father is. That's who our God is. Bow your heads for me.